your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Monday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. As you can see here, if you're watching the YouTube channel, I am joined by former Iowa running back LaShawn Daniels. LaShawn, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well, doing well. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. I appreciate you, man. And on today's show, we're going to be breaking down the Iowa-Iowa State victory, which uh, I don't know about you, but I was sweating all week. Iowa State's a very good team during that game. I was a little bit worried at first, but Iowa pulls out. We're going to be breaking down everything in that game, the good, the bad, the ugly, the MVPs of that game. After you get done listening to this Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast, you have to check out the Lockdown Big Ten podcast. There's simply no better place to get all the news on the Big Ten conference than with Nate Dickinson in the Lockdown Big Ten podcast. Follow the Lockdown Big Ten podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast app. All right, LaShawn. So first off, I just want to get your thoughts. What is it like beating Iowa State? What was that game like leading up to the the, the week, the hate week, every single week, right? That That's a huge game. What was that always leading up to you as a player? Um, You know, it was always an exciting week um, because we know that, that there's a trophy on the line and no matter how good or bad each team is, you know that you're going to be in a, a battle the entire 60 minutes. So going in the week for preparation, obviously everyone's, you know, kind of a little bit on edge, but you're still preparing the same way as you would every other game. Um, but just trying to bring this, that same intensity and, you know, really trying to focus on and hone, hone in on, on, on game plan. So when it comes on, on Saturday, that everyone's ready to go. But, you know, it's always um, a fun time because it's always, always great in having the opportunity to uh, battle for a trophy and to beat your rivals. So um, it's always fun. Absolutely, man. And yesterday, Iowa takes home the Cyhawk Trophy again. Right, a, a, a streak that started when you were there. So very exciting to see them continue to take down Matt Campbell and a very, very strong Iowa State team. I think what's very important to note is that this is not a bad Iowa State team. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm going through a little cold here. But this is not a bad Iowa State team. This is a very strong Iowa State team. And there are definitely things that Iowa needs to improve on. There's also mm -hmm. some things that are really great to see. I think defensively, there's not a lot to be upset about. Yes, that second, that second quarter drive at the last minute, that was very frustrating to see. It looks like a defensive miscommunication allowed for a wide open wide receiver. Also, Brock Purdy makes a phenomenal throw right over Jack Campbell's head. The last part of the game with uh, Hunter Deckers coming in, I thought they did a pretty good job of driving on the field. Um, they did a pretty good job against a defense that was alternating and rotating in a bunch of different defensive backs. So a little bit of unfamiliarity there. Um, but overall, I think defensively, you have to say, wow, this might be one of the best defenses we've seen in a long time. Is that what you're seeing from this defense? I mean, you've seen some pretty good defenses when you were at Iowa. What does this defense remind you of? Is this a good defense, or is this something that we're, you know, where maybe we're just playing really strong this first couple of weeks? Um, it's definitely a combination of both, I think. Um, the defense has been doing a fantastic job, especially on the back end with the defensive backs. Um, we've gone against two pretty good quarterbacks, I would have to say, and um, have – caused a significant amount of turnovers um, and they haven't been able to get any rhythm going, um, which I think has been fantastic. It's been a great help to our team overall. Um, and, you know, a lot of, obviously taking a lot of the pressure off of the offense. So um, the defense has been doing a great job and it's been playing phenomenal. And the key is just obviously being, being more consistent and keeping that up. And then obviously finding ways to generate more pass rush from 
from a defensive line. And I think that's part of the reason why we uh, there's a lot of guys being rotated in and out and in combination, obviously, with the weather yesterday as well. But um, I think this defense has a lot of potential and, you know, they just have to keep um, stacking weeks together, um, putting it together in practice. And then obviously, as you see, um, when it comes along on Saturdays, uh, it's been a great help to the team. Absolutely. You mentioned something that I want to call out as well. Typically, when you have a very strong defensive line, it takes pressure off your secondary. They don't have to cover as long. They don't have to, you know, be on their man as long. I feel like it's the inverse this year. Our secondary is so strong that it allows the defensive line to actually get pressure because they have a little bit longer to get to the quarterback. Offensive linemen cannot hold their those blocks for years, right? And I think mm-hmm. Brock Purdy had some time in the pocket, but eventually, because the secondary was doing so strong, and they have been doing so strong, and I think also mixing up some man principles in addition to mm-hmm. Bill Parker's you know zone defense, which is typically what we see, um, it has been confusing the heck out of quarterbacks, and it's been helping our defensive line. And then you see... In the third quarter, Phil Parker starts dialing up some blitzes, and that's really where the pressure got there, and that was a lot of fun to see. Um, you win against Phil Parker. What was his defense like? Um, very basic, like all the time. Um, <laughs> like pretty much all the time in practice. Uh, it pretty much run the same fronts, same coverage, and really just let their, their guys play their assignments and, and play their assignments well. Uh, I think that – Coach Parker loves to have his guys play fast and not have to think too much about what they have to worry about and what they're um, worrying about too, too many different things. Um, so, but they're always, they're always tough and they're always fast to the ball. They're always really extremely disciplined. Um, and then when they do dial up blitzes, right, you have to make sure that you're locked in and that you're not falling asleep because uh, as we've seen, um, He'll, he tends to call blitzes at the at the right time, at the right opportune time to get pressure when he knows that, you know, the defense could use a little jolt there to get some get some extra pressure. So um, all in all, I mean, thinking back, you know, going back to practice every single day against Coach Parker in the defense, I mean, they pretty much keep it pretty, pretty basic. I mean, they'll do a cross blitz every uh, inside linebacker cross blitz every now and again. Sometimes they'll bring a corner or maybe they'll bring, um, you know, the field backer or the, the nickel um, on a blitz. But I mean, all in all, I mean, it's pretty basic defense. Uh, they'll be mostly zone. And then uh, with some man concepts every now and again, like you, like you had already mentioned, but um, you know, going against them, they, they keep it simple. They, he likes to have his guys play fast. And I think we see that, you know, over the years since he's been the, the defensive coordinator. So. Absolutely. Two guys I want to call out on the defensive side of the ball, Zach from Valkenberg and then Justin Jacobs. Let's start with Justin Jacobs. That is a guy who a lot of people are very excited about. He joined the Iowa Hawkeyes as a four-star recruit out of Ohio. You can relate to that. So can James, right? Um, A guy who grew up probably wanting to play for Ohio State. Ohio State wanted to get him. He ended up going to Iowa. We get him. He sits on the bench. People don't know. You know, you kind of start forgetting about people when they're on the bench for a year or two, even though it's only been two years. We're wondering where is Justin Jacobs at? Well, this is a coming out party for Justin Jacobs. We knew coming mm-hmm. into this game, Phil Parker wanted to play more 4-3 because yeah. Iowa State has so many tight ends. They also like to run the ball, so you want to make sure you have some bigger guys in the box. But Justin Jacobs, what I thought was the most impressive thing is how he handled coverage responsibilities. Um, he was on top of his guys. He was getting his hands active when the ball was coming down. They were trying to catch the ball. And then that forced fumble on Brees Hall. Yes, Brees Hall probably wasn't holding the ball, as secure as he should have. And I want to get your thoughts on that. But also mm-hmm. the fact that Justin put his hands right where he needed to to knock that out. And that was such a huge momentum shifting play. So two things. What are your thoughts on Justin Jacobs 
really his first big time game playing. And second, as a running back, what did Brees Hall do wrong there? And what did Justin Jacobs do right there? Yeah. So, you know, with Jacobs, I think um, being in the game, I think, and having that time to develop a little bit um, over the years has helped them tremendously. I mean, we saw him yesterday playing fast, flying all over the field. And, you know, as you mentioned, his, his coverage responsibilities were, were really good, right? I mean, he's on top of his guys. He's not, um, you know, having missed assignments, which is, which is another thing, you know, in, in coverage all on its own. Um, but, you know, he has the ability to stay with his mans and run with his mans. And then, you know, if the ball is com- coming his way, he knows how to defend it and fight through the, through the man to, you know, break up passes. And, you know, on the play against uh, Brees, um, you know, he he saw the ball and went and go get it. I mean, I'm sure I know all the time Coach Parker is always talking about, uh, you know, ripping the ball out or trying to punch the ball out um, to create turnovers because turnovers essentially is what help, helps you win ball games. And, um, you know, with Brees running the football, I mean, I saw it a mile away. I mean, the ball's away from his body. He's swinging it all over the place. And I and he corrected it after that drive. But, you know, it was already kind of too late at that point, right, because that's a huge momentum shift. And we were always taught keep the ball tight to your body, especially when you're that close to your own to your own end zone um, in that in that negative territory, because, you know, you, at that point, you're just trying to get positive yards to do as much as you can to try to flip the field. Um, and, you know, having a turnover at that point and getting that ball punched out is obviously a tremendous play by Jacobs, but it's definitely even a worse play for, for Brees because, you know, he's supposed to be their guy. He's their guy that they trust. And to fumble in that situation, um, I'm sure it didn't feel too good. So I cannot imagine that conversation on the sideline. And also when he came back into the game, he was running incredibly pissed off. I mean, he mm-hmm. looked like he was about to run over anything in his way. I want to get to Zach from Valkenberg um, and obviously Iowa football and the offense because we, we want to talk about some offense because that is really where I think Iowa has a lot of growth for. But I do mm-hmm. want to tell you all about prize picks. College Ball Fanatics, have you heard about Prize Picks? Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know you will too. Prize Picks offers every sport you can think of, like NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. Prize Picks offers more college ball props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players, the Power Five, as well as mid major players you might not have even heard of. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. So if you had the under, on Spencer Petrus interceptions yesterday, you took home some money. All of our users that deposit use your promo code, which is locked on, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. That's how easy it is. All right, y'all. So go to Prize Picks and get your first free $100 bonus. You can get this in the App Store, um, Google Play, wherever you want to. Use the promo code locked on. Prize Picks is safe and offers. Fast withdrawals. Entries can be made within 60 minutes or less. It is that easy. Again, don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is your daily fantasy made easy. All right, LaShawn. So we've talked a lot about the defensive side of the ball. I have two last things to say. Zach from Valkenberg, what I thought was really interesting, instead of using your all Big Ten defensive end to rush the passer, several times what they would do is a stunt and then have him, instead of actually rushing the passer, just be a spy. And that really threw off Brock Purdy several times. Um, Joe Evans got some big hits because of Zach and Valkenberg doing that. Um, I thought that was interesting. Typically, we see Iowa bringing all four of those guys, and you don't expect 
maybe your best pass rusher to drop back into a spy. Um, what did you notice about that? Yeah, uh, I definitely noticed that pretty early. Because, I mean, I was, that's a wrinkle that I can't recall, you know, seeing, um, you know, especially thinking back, like when we played, um, I know, like whenever they would do twists, that those guys were coming. Like they, there was no um, chilling back there waiting for a quarterback to move or anything like that. So um, adding that wrinkle in obviously gave Iowa State some fits. I mean, Zach, you know, made some plays on being able to do that because, I mean, now you have another guy in coverage. I mean, it's a big guy. He's, he's tall. He's got long arms. I mean, it's it's a hard it's a hard throw to to get over over that. And I mean, I know that defensive linemen are always taught like if you're not going to get to the get to the quarterback, you know, get your hands up to try to bat the balls down. And I think we, as we saw it, that there was opportunities that, that they converted on doing that. So uh, it's, it's definitely a nice little wrinkle that, that I like that they add. And I'm sure that, you know, as the season goes on, that, that that's not just going to continue to happen. And then, you know, eventually he's going to end up coming and, you know, it's going to possibly give a lineman fits because then they're going to might look off and try to pick up another guy and things like that. And there's all these different other wrinkles that Coach Parker could add on top of that. So I definitely think that that was very interesting and I'm interested to see how that's going to continue throughout the rest of the season and using that because obviously as we've seen he's a great pass rusher I mean when he did brush the passer yesterday it seemed like he was getting tackled every single time uh that he was trying to get to the quarterback so uh you know I I think Zach's obviously a great player and then when you add you know wrinkles like that it's only going to help your your own team success Absolutely. Um, you mentioned the, the idea of possibly blitzing or going in and rushing the passer, kind of a delayed delayed pass rush at that point. And that will confuse the linemen, especially if they're like, oh, he's dropping back into a spy. I can help out a guy over here. All of a sudden there's a lane and he goes in. Um, I think that's a, a really interesting concept that you mentioned that we could possibly see. Before we get to offense, who is your defensive MVP? Defensive MVP. I like Matt Hankins, man. I mean, he's doing great things. It seems like every single year we've got DBs, senior DBs who are just going out here and making plays. I mean, uh, last week it was Riley Moss, and now this week we have Matt Hankins going up there and making two great interceptions. Um, the one on the deep ball um, in the second half and the second quarter was fantastic, right? I mean, he went up and really – Really got that ball. It was a huge, huge play for for a team. And then obviously on that on the interception return that he almost scored was another fantastic play as well. I mean, those those plays like that flip the field and really flip the momentum, um, you know, towards the good guys. So <laughs> absolutely. Um, I would I was gonna say him, so I'm gonna do something different. I'm gonna go just the linebacker core in general. I'm kind of cheating here, but I feel like <laughs> Justin and Seth and Jack did a phenomenal job of staying where they're supposed to in the zone. They did a good job of coverage when they had to do man coverage. And I thought they were attacking the football very hard. A couple of missed tackles here and there. But overall, I thought the three of them did a phenomenal job, um, either you know, with the scoop and score, with the, mm -hmm. the interception, with the forced fumble. I mean, they were just involved in the game throughout. And that linebacker core, I've been saying it since the start of the season, I think they have the potential to be just as good or close to as that great trio of linebackers you were playing with when you were at Iowa, Josie Jewell, Bo Bowers, Ben Neiman. So really mm -hmm. excited about their potential throughout the season. Um, you mentioned one thing, uh, the fact that Matt Hankins is flipping the field, right? With his interception, he's flipping the field. What we were seeing, though, is that once we flipped that field, we weren't able to do anything with it. There were I don't know about you, but I was sitting there getting so frustrated seeing us get to the 30 and then watching us lose yards. There was a stat that came out yesterday, Iowa. In the third quarter, 
builds a 10-0 advantage over Iowa State. They had minus six yards offensively. So, mm-hmm. hey, that, that's amazing special teams, amazing defensive energy there, but that's not okay. So Spencer Petrus, let's get to him. That's the always the, the topic <laughs> of the conversation. I thought the first quarter he came out, he looked very nervous. I mean, everything was low, high, over. I mean, nothing looked good the first quarter. The second quarter, after that Matt Hagan's interception, he looked good. I mean, he he showed the potential that he can be as an Iowa quarterback. From there, it felt like he was trying to not screw up. He wasn't playing to win the game. He was trying to not screw up. And in doing so, he took several sacks on third down in Iowa State territory, almost pushing us out of field goal consideration several times and did push us out of field goal consideration a couple times. Um, open statement. Thoughts on Spencer Petrus um, after all of that kind of uh, spitting out of words I just did there. <laughs> um, I definitely think he's a good player. Um, and I think it's – I don't know if anyone's touched on it, but I'm sure it's been touched on before. Uh, you know, as a young quarterback like he is, which he is, I mean, like when you think back to last season, um, as far as reps goes for a starting quarterback, he probably didn't get anywhere near as many as – as you would like your starting quarterback to have. Um, and, you know, obviously as this season's gone on, um, as this year years has, has gone on, I mean, now they've had, you know, all these different opportunities to to try to get him ready. And I think he's a really good player. I mean, there's, there's times where he makes throws that are really just on point. They're on the money. They've got good zip that on Charlie the ball. Jones throw. Yeah, that was oh fantastic. My God, what a beautiful pass. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I mean that's that's what you want in your quarterback. You want your quarterback to be able to make plays like that. Um, but also we know that with being a quarterback, there's there's experience involved as well, right? And knowing, you know, not being able to take a sack when you're at your at the plus thirty yard line, and you know you have opportunity to get points on the board. Um, so obviously, like there's decision making things that he can improve on, improve upon. Um, but you know, all in all he's a starter for a reason, right? I mean, at this point they've had, you know, months and months of preparation um, and the coaches have seen um, continuously seen something in Spencer to say like, Hey, he's going to be our guy um, and we're going to rock with him. So, uh, and I'm pretty much on board with, with what the coaches think, because I mean, they're the ones being paid to do the job. So. Yeah. I like it. The, the trust in Kirk mantra. I think people need to be reminded of that a lot. He's not doing anything to jeopardize, the ability of this team to win. I think mm-hmm. it's easy to say, oh, he made these mistakes. He made this mistake. Let's bring in Alex Padilla. Let's bring in Deuce Hogan. But at the end of the day, there's a reason why he is the starter and he does do some good things. I think for me, it's a matter of can he string together four consecutive quarters of at least above average play against mm-hmm. a quality opponent. Mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. to me has been the biggest issue. It'll be really interesting to see how he does against Kent State because he has not played a team that has not been a power five team since he started. He has played 10 games of football as a starter and they've all been against power five teams. It'll be interesting to see, can he get some of that confidence? And one of the things I would like to see is seeing him progress through his reads. It really Mm -hmm. does feel like he is staring down receivers. And if they are open, great. If they are not, it's panic. There was a couple of times where I felt like he had an open or he had a guy deep that he was supposed to go to and he chose to check down, which is good. Good move. Mm -hmm. But he fired that ball in so hard. I mean, Tyler Goodson yeah. was getting some rockets, three yards from the line of scrimmage. Um, how hard of how hard is that for you to catch? You probably had a couple of those. CJ Beathard has a strong arm. 
Um, did you ever have any rockets three yards in the line of scrimmage? And what did you say to CJ after that? Like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> um, thankfully, CJ never did any of that, at least not to me. Um, <laughs> so I never have to, had to worry about that too much. But um, I know that as a running back, I mean, heck, you can barely see the quarterback kind of over the line anyway. So, like, when you when you do throw that ball like that, uh, you know, it's it's a lot harder for us to catch the ball. I mean, obviously, we practice catching the football every single day in practice. We catch it um, during the games. We catch it during the warm-ups. Um, you know, we know how to catch a football. But when, you know, you throw the ball that hard, and because, I mean, they're only, you know, seven-ish yards away from us. Yeah. I mean, you think, like, you know, he's back there. He's five yards behind line of scrimmage. You know, you're running a three-yard deep route. I mean, he's, like, right there in front of you. So, uh you know, it can be tough to catch that football. And I know the exact play that you're talking about because Tyler was lined up out wide and he ran um, basically a crossing route, right? And yeah. um, was waiting for it to get past a linebacker. And then obviously, like, he 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 saw that he was open um, but didn't wait and just fired in there. Tyler wasn't even ready for the ball. Um, yeah. So I definitely think that, you know, Spencer – Obviously, like those type of throws are gonna be good for Spencer, right? I mean, they're they're easy throws for him to make. It's just um, more of him being confident in himself, I think. Cause obviously, like the coach staff and the players are conf- clearly confident in him, or you know, he wouldn't be out there. So it's just I think, you know, him being confident in himself and kind of slowing himself down um will be a big help because yeah, firing those fastballs in that RBs is not a great way to get completions. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, he literally hit him in the hands, but Tyler wasn't even looking for the ball. I mean, yeah. he was open and just whacking. And then I think two quarters later, he did the same thing, except for he didn't do it as early in the, the play, but he mm-hmm. just hit it. He threw it so hard. Uh, mm-hmm. Tyler couldn't get his hands up, which kind of puts Tyler in a, an unfortunate position. Um, yeah. I, ta- I want to talk more about the offense, but um, there are a lot of things in life that are not fun to talk about. One of them is excessive sweating. You know, when you are sweating through your shirts for no reason, it is embarrassing, right? Some of you may know that I personally have dealt with this. When I speak in public, I can't help but sweat through my shirt. You can't see my armpits now. There might be some sweat there, but not anymore because I use this awesome thing called Sweatblock. Sweatblock has antiperspirant wipes, and they are literally amazing. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed. The next morning, you wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat, guaranteed. I know this will sound too good to be true, but I literally only have to use sweat block once or twice a week, and it keeps me dry the whole time. No more pitting out. No more picking my shirts based off of which color will hide my sweat better. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on or at Amazon and at CVS. And you know I've told you about this before. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. LaShawn, have you ever had a Built Bar before? No, I don't think I have. Right, after so. the show, you got to send me your address. I have legitimately 60 boxes of Bilt Bars. I think <laughs> they kind of messed up the order, but you send me your address. <laughs> I'll send you a box of Bilt Bars. you got to try these things out. They are literally the best tasting protein bar on the market today. I'm sure you've tried a lot of protein bars. I've tried a lot of protein bars. <clears throat> they all kind of have a nasty, chalky, uh, pretend flavor taste. That is not yep. the case with these Bilt Bars. They are phenomenal. They have nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor. The best part about these, though, is the health benefits. 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. And they are the official 
track and field, USA track and field protein bar. So if it's good enough for them, it's probably good enough for us. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And I got to tell you, these Built Bars are actually amazing. I eat one for breakfast literally every single day. I have this white chocolate birthday cake with sprinkles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the closest thing I found to an, an actual candy bar. So <laughs> I will okay. I will send you some, man. I will send you some. Yeah. They are delicious. Um, before we took a break, though, we were talking about the offense. Uh, we talked a lot about Spencer Petras. Let's talk about the running game. The running mm-hmm. game on paper did not do very well. When you look at the overall stat thing, Tyler Goodson averaged 2.8 yards per carry. Um, obviously Spencer got sacked several times, which equates to a bad rushing you know, advantage. Ivory Kelly Martin had three and a half yards per carry. That doesn't tell the full story though. I feel like because when they needed it, they got some big chunk yards and a lot of it was behind the fearless blocking of Monty Potterbaum. And then also him getting some carries. I mean, Monty getting some love there. I mean, fullback love. Um, what is it like being a running back trying to run behind our fullback like that? Uh, I think you had Drake Kulik actually, right? Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, we had a lot of great fullbacks while I was there. I mean, my senior year, we had, uh, yep, Drake. We had uh, Brady Ross, who those both those guys uh, did fantastic jobs. And then the year before that, I mean, we had Macon Puebla and Adam Cox, who, again, guys who like to knock people's heads off. I mean, and we always say that, like, you got to be kind of crazy to want to be a fullback. Uh, to be quite honest, um, you know, those guys, um, do all the dirty work. They clean up so much, so much different things, especially in the run game. Um, you know, if someone misses a block, they'll clean it up. Um, if, you know, a linebacker is scraping, you know, quickly downhill, right. They go and, you know, really hit them in the mouth. So running behind guys like that just gives you so much more confidence because you're like, okay. I know for a fact that he's going to get his block. So all I know that I have to do is as long as I follow him, I'm going to be getting positive yards. And um, I think we've seen that and over time with Monty. I mean, he's done a fantastic job being out there. I mean, uh, I mean, he's a big guy. I mean, he's got the neck roll going on and he runs in there like a, like a bad man. And, you know, I know that for a fact gives Tyler, his ivory um, and the rest of the running backs, a whole bunch of confidence that if they follow him, that they're going to be all right. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I love the neck roll. I love the mullet. The, well, it looks like a blonde mullet. I mean, he looks like Tim <laughs> Riggins out there from Friday Night Lights. I mean, he is bringing back the fullback love, which I think is which is absolutely exciting to see. He also gets two carries. Fullbacks mm-hmm. don't get a lot of carries in Iowa's offense, but he was running hard. I mean, mm-hmm. I would love to see him get a few more carries a game. The way he was running, I mean, just downhill, bulldozing type of runner. We don't really have a running back like that between mm-hmm. Ivory and Tyler. Tyler is a bit shiftier. Ivory is kind of a speedy kind of guy. Um, yep. So it'll be interesting to see how they incorporate that going forward. Um, I thought another thing I want to cover on the offensive side of the ball is play calling. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're on Iowa Twitter, which I t- tried to avoid during the game because uh, you get <laughs> takes from everywhere, right? I saw a take saying Phil Parker should be fired after that second quarter <laughs> touchdown drive. I was like, really, guys? I mean, really? Phil Parker is the, I mean, Phil Parker's amazing, right? So, anyways, offensive play calling is where a lot of people get very frustrated with especially early in the game when things aren't going the way people want. People wonder, why are we doing wildcat on a second down on our second drive? I want to just give you an opportunity to talk about play calling and how it sets up everything later on in the game. Sometimes that first couple drives, you're just trying to figure out what looks are they going to give you so you know what play to call later on in the game. So I wanted to get your thoughts on play calling and why 
Uh, maybe sometimes we don't need to overreact early on in the game for certain mm-hmm. play calls because really we're trying to build off of it. Yeah, I mean you're you're exactly right there. Uh, you know we have we have our game plan, right? I mean we every week in practice, uh, you know we go through pretty much all the plays that we're going to run, um, and like in practice, then obviously with film study we look at you know what things have worked against them over time, what things have worked well against that particular defense. And, you know, when we come up with our initial game plan and our first 10 plays that we're going to run, um, these are plays that we feel re- pretty good about going into the game. And, you know, we feel like we're going to have success with it. But, you know, football is dynamic, right? So when you get in the game, you know, maybe, uh, you know, half the things that you uh, practice pretty well, in, um, you know, during the week, doesn't actually work as well in game as you would like, right? And so that's a part, big part of the feeling out, um, you know, defenses and um, getting an idea of how they're playing. And uh, that translates to, okay, what adjustments do we need to make, right? I mean, every single time that the offense is on the field or coming off the field, I mean, they're making adjustments um, all the time. I mean, we got guys on the sideline. We got guys in the booth, right? We got guys all over the place, you know, making adjustments. So, uh, we got some of the best in the business, right? Working on making adjustments to have success for the game, right? So, if one of the guys on Twitter would like to, you know, toss in their application to go be offensive <laughs> coordinator, they can go ahead and do it. But, um, all in all, in all seriousness, um, I just think it's you no know, most of the time overblown. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's times where you know I might see a play and I'm like, uh, I don't know if I would have run that, but I mean, heck, I have no idea what they've been what they've been talking about in their meetings. I have no idea what they've been uh, talking about during practice and what they've been running. Um, you know, I always have a general idea because Iowa offenses are, have been very similar over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously now it's a little bit more modern, right? We got more, we got more shotgun stuff. We got more running backs out wide and all these different things. But um, all in all, the, I just think that stuff is too overblown. Um, you know, the coaches aren't, just out there just running what they want to run because just for the heck of it, right. They're, they're doing it for a reason because they've seen um, success with it, um, you know, through, through film study and, and during the game. So. Absolutely, man. Um, One, one play I do want to call out is the bubble screen. So we did a little bubble screen uh, down towards Iowa state's end of the goal line or end zone. And one of the things I want to call out about that is the way Spencer Peter. So he started off in shotgun and he kind of ran up, looking like what he did against Indiana last week where he mm-hmm. ran up as if he's going to quick snap it and go right behind Tyler Linderbaum and get a couple yards, which that QB sneak, I just absolutely love. It's just <laughs> so, so degrading to the defense to just get three to four yards on a quarterback who can't run getting behind mm-hmm. the, the center. But um, I think that's, that's very obvious concept of building off of principles starts in shotgun. He runs up very quickly as if he's going to quick snap it. And instead of going up the middle, says hike and turns into a bubble screen and we get four or five yards and that gets a first down. So again, you talk about building off of principles game to game, building off principles, even within the game, uh, trying to understand what Iowa State's going to do. We never saw the wildcat again, I think, because it got shut down pretty quickly. Iowa State had a good game plan. I think we're going to need mm-hmm. to see some more wrinkles from that going forward, but yeah. uh, definitely some interesting stuff. Uh, last question before we kind of wrap up a few, few concepts. Offensive line play has been uh, something that people haven't talked about a lot. Uh, the last two weeks, Iowa's offensive line is traditionally very good. We are rotating in a lot of guys. We have a lot of younger guys in there. 
and Spencer is getting a lot of the blame. It's easy to put the blame on Spencer. It's always easy to put the blame on the quarterback. But I would argue that the offensive line is not where we need it to be from a pass blocking perspective to this point. What are you seeing from the offensive line in pass protection? Yeah, so um, there's definitely times uh, where, you know, Spencer might be able to help out his offensive line, right? Whether it's stepping up in the pocket or maybe, you know, not holding the ball too long. But that being said, you know, as offensive linemen, I mean, they're you're taught to block to the whistle no matter what. It doesn't matter what the heck's going on, um, you know, downfield in the backfield, right? Your job is to block the guys that are in front of you. And when you have a lot of young guys, I mean, it, it takes time. I mean, division one football is hard. Power five football is hard, right? It's not it's not easy uh, to be successful with that. I mean, the other guys you're going against, they're on scholarship too, right? So uh, the biggest thing is just you know, hitting it, hitting the fundamentals, understanding what their assignments are and, you know, just being consistent with it. Uh, You know, I'm sure the coaching staff is doing whatever they can to try to get a unit together that is consistent. And, you know, it it can, it takes time. I mean, you know, you see these guys in practice a lot um, over time, whether it's through the spring, you know, through uh, fall camp, uh, throughout the season, I mean, you see them all the time, and you know, even then, like it's it's it can be harder for the offensive line to get a get a true look, right? Especially like when you're not in the game like situation, right? I think it's it for for offensive linemen in a game. I mean, so many different things are happening, and things are happening so fast that um, you know there can be confusion. Um, but you know, it's offensive line, it's Iowa. They're gonna figure it out um, one way or another, right? And um, you know, I think we have some injuries on the line, right? I mean, I think uh, we're missing Kyler, Kyler right? Kyler, so, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, he's a really good player as well, right? So when he is back healthy and he's able to be back inserted in there, it's definitely going to help out the offensive line a lot because, again, he's a he's a seasoned vet and, you know, he's going to be able to help the communications as well, um, just as well as, as Tyler does, um, you know, kind of manning the line at the center spot. So. Again, it's, it's offensive line at Iowa. They're going to figure it out. It just It's, it's just going to take some time. There's going to be a little bit of growing pains. And, you know, I think the coaching staff is doing things as far as play calling goes as much as possible to try to help those guys out. So Definitely, man. Um, I have three final topics before we wrap up the show. Uh, I'm just going to give a quick special teams appreciation post. Uh, Caleb Shudok, a guy who people are not as familiar with, but just as good of a kicker, arguably, as you could say Keith Duncan has a bigger leg. Um, I don't want to take any credit away from him after that bad snap. There was no way he was going to really get that to be a good kick. Torrey Taylor should be an All-American, should be the Ray Guy Award winner. Torrey Taylor, just a phenomenal punter. And I am going to seriously miss Charlie Jones when he is no longer returning punts because I've never seen a guy have as big of balls when a ball is coming to him. He just – there is no fear in his eyes. He doesn't care what's happening. I would be scared crapless if I were him. But here we are, Charlie Jones, phenomenal. So special teams, we know Iowa's bread and butter. They do such a good mm-hmm. job there. Um, we talked a lot about defense, talked a lot about offense. Uh, I just get a quick recap of special teams because uh, we don't need to dive too deep in there for this game. We have Kent State coming up. What does Iowa need to do to improve in that game against Kent State? Kent State's a great opportunity to say, let's look at these two games and say, what did we do wrong? How can we fix these things? In your mind, what is the main thing they need to work on going into that Kent State game? You know, 
for special teams or offense or everything? Anything. Yeah, everything. Okay, yeah. So definitely offense being putting together consistent drives. I think when we look at the past two games, a lot of the offensive scoring has come off of, you know, some sort of big play that we've had, you know, in the drive that kind of jolted the drive and and then that was it, right? There's there hasn't been any sustained drives from, you know, where we start at, you know, our own 20, right, and take it 80 yards, you know, really down the field, right? We haven't really seen us convert, you know, multiple uh third downs um you know in the hit in, in a row right i think yesterday we converted like four third downs or something like that so yeah. it wasn't it wasn't very very great right so i think the biggest thing i want to see is uh, from the offensive side of the ball is just being consistent and putting together some drives right and i think that's going to come with getting our run game kind of up to speed right and you know we've already had a hit on the offensive line um but it's also going to fall back, you know, on the running backs as well, right? Being able to make the right reads, um, ensuring that we do things to get downhill, to get positive yards, to help us um, stay ahead of the change instead of being, you know, second and long and then getting in third and long, right? So I think that's that's the that's the thing that I want to be able to see, right? I want to see consistent drives um, from the offense this Saturday, and I want to see us, you know, have a much stronger run game. Yeah, I love it. And I think to build off of that, I would love to see the wide receivers be incorporated a bit more. We know Iowa mm-hmm. always loved their tight ends, but Tyrone mm-hmm. Tracy Jr. is a phenomenal player with the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie Jones shows what he can do. Collectively, between those three guys in this game, I'm pulling it up right now, they had eight total targets. Sam Laporta had six. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see the wide receivers get involved a little bit more. I think that could open up the offensive game plan. Right now, I mean, it's is Sam Laporta or Bus? It feels like on offense most of the times. If you're going to mm-hmm. pass the ball, um, it's easy to then key on Sam Laporta in those games. Um, the last thing I want to mention: the fourth quarter was really weird in this game. I was up 27-10. It feels like Matt Campbell just kind of quit. Um, what were your thoughts when he puts in a redshirt freshman quarterback? He takes out his All-American running back in Brees Hall, and they start punting on fourth down as opposed to going for it. I, I really felt like Iowa state just gave up. Yeah, that was, I mean, I couldn't wrap my hand or head around that. I mean, whatsoever. I mean, uh, weird to you too. You thought that was bizarre. Yeah. I, I like the game. Like, I mean, we've seen teams, you know, score a heck of a lot of points, you know, within the last half of a fourth quarter. And when you start throwing in backups, um, you know, at that point in time, I mean, basically just submitted to it and just like, you know, we're beat. I I know that as a player, I would not have been happy. I mean, especially, um, you know, in a game like that. I mean, heck, and the, like they went down and they scored anyway and they made it uh, just a two possession game. Um, and to just kind of just give up. I mean, that's literally what they did. I mean, that's literally what Coach Campbell did. He's threw in the towels like, hey. We're just going to get some other guys in and, you know, see what happens instead of, you know, letting those, those, those seniors, those guys kind of rock out and, you know, make plays to try to get them back in the game. Um, you know, I think, I mean, that was frustrating for me to watch. I couldn't imagine, you know, being on that Iowa state sideline and being a player, especially, you know, like Brees, right. Or like Brock, right. And coach taking you out the game in, in that type of situation. I mean, Maybe he was trying to get some extra energy in there or something um, because, 
you know, Brock probably wasn't playing his greatest, but I don't know. I, I can't explain that whatsoever. I, yeah. <laughs> I just can't, I can't believe you did that. It was so weird to me. I think, um, taking out Brock, I could understand to a degree. They mentioned maybe he was cramping up a little bit, but also mm-hmm. he's playing terribly. So, I mean, mm-hmm. what are you going to get out of Brock? It looked like he had lost all confidence. When they took out Brees as well, that's really where I was like, what is going on here? Because outside of that fumble, which, yes, that was a bad fumble, mm-hmm. he was running the ball hard after that. And, yeah. I mean, he was getting chunk plays every single time. So, I was like, why are you taking out Brees Hall? And then the thing that kind of the dagger in the coffin was them punting with eight minutes yeah. left, down three scores, like, you, you have a fourth and six. You, I think you kind of need to go for this. But I almost, I mean, t- in Iowa State's defense, they almost made that a pretty close game. They barely missed an onside kick recovery that went off of Nico Regani's hands. They missed mm-hmm. a field goal. I mean, that I was I was sweating that thing down at the end, but I just <laughs> I was shocked by Matt Campbell's decision to do that. Um, yep. But anyway, yep. regardless, we we get the win, we get the W. We're on to Kent State. Sean, I appreciate you coming on the show. Where can folks find you at these days? Yeah, I mean, you can find me on Twitter. It's just my name, uh, at least Sean Daniels Jr. Or you can find me on Instagram. I don't really be on Instagram like that anymore, but you can still drop a follow there. Um, and it's just my same thing as well. It's like Sean Daniels Jr. You guys can check me out there. Awesome, man. It sounds like you're going to get into some streaming as well, which will be a lot of fun watching you stream some some video games. We'll talk about that at another point <laughs> in time as well. Yeah. But uh I appreciate everyone coming into the show today. Appreciate everyone uh, tuning in. And uh, we'll be back every single day this week, breaking down a little bit more about this game and also talking about the upcoming game against Kent State, which should be an easy win, but nothing is easy in college football. So there's going to need to be a lot of improvement as we see the Iowa football team make over the course of the week. Thank you all for tuning in, Hawkeye Nation. Have a fantastic Monday and even better week. And let's go Hawks.